In this episode of Call to Marriage, I bring in my good friend, Mary Catherine, a licensed dietitian and owner of Busy Babes Nutrition, to talk about being healthier, making wiser food choices, avoiding stress eating, and so much more. If this kind of topic is triggering or uncomfortable for you, please feel free to skip it and join us back next week. Otherwise, let's jump into the show. Hi there. Welcome to Call to Marriage, a show about navigating life as a military spouse. I'm your host, Callie, a newcomer on the scene of what is the military spouse life. The military community is a tight-knit, but sometimes tight-lipped one. I hope to pull back the curtain on life as a military spouse to answer the questions that I wish someone would have answered for me, talk about my experiences I've gone through, or talk about the ones that I'm going through right now. I'm always learning new things about this crazy new life and invite you on this journey with me. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to Call to Marriage. I am here with my friend, Mary Catherine. And so, Mary Catherine, if you want to just go through your background and kind of what you do, and then we'll just jump right into it. Okay, sounds good. So I'm Mary Catherine. I am a registered dietitian um, and also a military spouse. So I became a dietitian been a dietitian now for six years. Um, So to become a dietitian, I ended up going to college, getting my degree in nutrition, doing a whole bunch of internship hours, (laughs) um, and then sitting for a national exam and then getting licensed in all the states that I practice in. So nice long journey to get here. Um, And then once I became a dietitian, I worked in diabetes and obesity research for a while. And then um, husband got orders here. And I ended up taking on a job in behavioral health before I opened my business, which is Busy Babes Nutrition. That's awesome. And so what is your goal with, with Busy Babes? So initially, I started Busy Babes for two reasons. One, because there were no jobs here, <laughs> like many army bases or military bases. Um, and two, there are a total of three dietitians in this area who operate their own independent businesses. And I'm the only one who actually takes clients. So there was just no businesses here that where people could get that nutrition expertise. Um, So started it for those two reasons. And really what I am doing is building a community of ex dieters who want to love their bodies and just get rid of the diet mentality and all these trends and fads that get us nowhere. Yeah. Which I think is so important in the military culture specifically, because I think with deployments and field exercises and trainings and everything, there's a level of stress that the spouse is under, like the military spouse is under, but then as the dependent as well, there's a level there is like, you're having to maintain a house, you're having to maintain yourself, you're having to like make sure that you're good, they're good and everything else. And so that is, I think just really important to make sure that healthy eating and mindful eating and not being, not being tricked into a fad is is really important. And I feel like they're everywhere. And I don't know, like this, the military community just feels like it's more dominant than when we were like in the civilian lifestyle, which is all Mm -hmm. these different trends and fads. And, and it's so easy to put ourselves on the back burner yep. and then to go for whatever the quick fix might be at the time. But really if we can build sustainable habits, for us as a person, and then also for our families, like it's actually going to get us much further in the long run and be healthier for us overall. That's awesome. So I kind of want to walk through, I think, a little bit about just 
being in that mindset of, okay, you know, my spouse is going to be deployed and the stress that you're under and what that looks like. And we kind of chatted before and you had brought up something that was like, it's not a one size fits all. So can you kind of go over like, what do you mean when you say it's not a one size fits all? Yeah, for sure. So I mean, even just me and you could be totally different in how we respond to stress. So, you know, some of us might be stressed and we might eat everything on the, under the sun. And then other others of us might be stressed and not eat anything. And so, first of all, we have to know ourselves and that self-awareness is mm-hmm. really hard to get to sometimes, but it gets us so much further because you can't fix a problem that you don't know exists. So first, our triggers are all different. So what actually causes us to be stressed or to have that anxiety, even though, you know, we might think, well, you know, my husband's deployed or my spouse is deployed. We all have the same, you know, response. That's not necessarily true, especially because how we have to maintain our lifestyle when they're gone might be different. So our triggers might be different. And then how we respond to that stress might be different as well. And then the outcomes in terms of eating are going to be different too. So, you know, some people might eat emotionally where we just grab a carton of ice cream and eat our feelings Mm -hmm. for the night. And other people might be like, I'm just so upset that I miss my spouse that I'm not eating at all. So it's hard to, you know, just prescribe one plan because we are all unique individuals. Mm -hmm. So with that, how would you go into maybe if you're a person who doesn't eat or overeats, I know you said it's like maintaining a routine is important and getting into that. So how would you explain like why is a routine so important in that case? Ooh, good question. Um, well, for a few reasons. One, again, it's easy in life, especially as a woman, I feel like it's easy to put ourselves in the back burner. Mm-hmm. So if we have a routine that automatically is going to force us to evaluate what our priorities are and what our values are. And I always say, if it's not in your calendar, then it's not a value or not priority. So, you know, if you need to schedule an exercise routine or whatever it might be, that tells you, hey, fitness is a priority to me. So maintaining that routine allows you to focus on yourself um, and not just focus on yourself in a selfish way, but in a way of supporting yourself and your self-care. And also it helps make sure that you're keeping up with your health and overall, you know, mindset, especially when your spouse is gone, because if you have a routine, you have something to look forward to every day. It gives you something to wake up and do. And it's not this daunting task of, oh, I'm just existing alone right now. Instead, you know, that routine can really help you stay connected and stay grounded. Mm -hmm. And so what would you say for the people who have the excuse of, I just don't have the energy to commit to taking time for myself or to making a healthy, good meal for myself. What are some healthy shortcuts that they could get like use for that purpose? Yeah. So I hear this all the time. And honestly, like I feel it myself, like I'm a human, right? We we're all, you know, feel these things. So first I would say you don't have to meal prep. That is like a myth. If you want to meal prep, go for it. But I always say when you have the time and you have the energy, double batch cook, because then you can freeze your meals for later. I just say put them in like a single serve container so you can just Mm -hmm. grab and go and make it nice and easy. So, you know, double batch cook when you have that time and energy and then look for convenient shortcuts that aren't compromising any nutrition. So, for instance, you can get like steam in a bag frozen veggies. And literally all you do is put them in the microwave or you can get, you know, microwavable brown rice or microwavable quinoa and you have your, you know, your carb, your grain, and then you have your veggie. And then all you need is, you know, whatever protein you're getting. And there's even like frozen grilled chicken. If you really don't want to cook 
you know, meat or whatever it might mm-hmm. be. So there's different things. I would say if you're going to get something that's pre-made, just look to see if there's not like sauce or syrups added. Right. But in general, like there's all these items that can make life so much more convenient. So you're not spending hours in the kitchen to make meal for just you. <clears throat> Definitely. And so I think talking about being mindful and being healthy, I want to kind of diverge the conversation to the emotional eating aspect. And so like I said in the intro, intro, if emotional eating or talking about emotional eating is something that's triggering to you, um, feel free to kind of hop off <laughs> and don't go any forward. But if it's something that maybe you're struggling with, I know that I personally struggle with emotional eating just because I think I get in this mindset of like, I'm sad and then I'm like, oh my God, I'm so hungry. And all the things. And so I think that's a really important conversation to have. And so let's dive into conversation. Let's talk about emotional eating. So kind of what, in your opinion, like does emotional eating kind of stem from and and how do you kind of recognize it? Yeah. So emotional eating, you know, by definition is basically eating food in response to a mind state versus eating in response to hunger. Mm -hmm. So first of all, it's important to know the definition. Um, So when we think of that definition, it's based on our psychological needs, whatever we're feeling. So it could be stress, it could be anxiety, it could be grief, it could be trauma. There's all different emotions or experiences that can trigger that emotional eating. And part of emotional eating is honestly exacerbated by diet culture Mm -hmm. because we are just told over and over again, can't have this, can't have that, can't have this, can't have that. Restrictions. Yes. Mm-hmm. And like you just get stuck in the cycle of like constantly restricting and you tell yourself like, I can't have the ice cream, I can't have the ice cream. And then you get to that point where you crack and you're just like, I'm so stressed, so anxious, like so sad, whatever it might be. And it's like, oh my gosh, I need to eat all the ice cream because I'm not supposed to have it. So I'm just going to go all out. And it's like this all or nothing mentality around food. And then you end up feeling like crap at the end of it. And you're like, okay, well, I'm going to restrict it again. So first you have, you know, the actual emotions that come up that cause you to want to eat. But then you also have this kind of diet culture mentality that's telling you you can't eat it. And then you end up overeating at the end of it because you just don't know how to handle all the different things that are going on in your head. No, definitely. And so to that how do you sort of break that cycle? And so I know there's this topic of mindful eating, but maybe people don't exactly know what that that looks like or what that even is. So what is mindful eating? Yeah. So mindful eating is essentially bringing purpose to whenever you're putting food or drink in your mouth. That's like the easiest way to like kind of explain it. Um, And we can kind of stimulate uh, mindful eating by interrupting whatever mind space we're in. So to kind of put that in easier terms, um, you know, if we're feeling sad, like, hey, let's take a moment and we can use like the five senses method where you are about to eat your first bite of food and it's like, okay, let me use, you know, let me describe this food with five different words using all of my senses. So let's say we have the coffee that's like in front of us. We can describe, you know, the color, the aroma. We can describe the texture, like it's nice and smooth or creamy or whatever it might be. And just bringing intention to that first bite or that first sip can really help get you more in that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually, a lot of times, once we have that first bite, our kind of emotional need is met. So if we can be slow with that first bite, it actually helps us understand, you know, is this hunger or is this emotional eating? Mm -hmm. And then trying to navigate it that way. And I think, too, it's important to say that 
you're not saying like don't eat when you're stressed. Oh, no. You never want to, yeah, you never want to like restrict it. But I think at the same time, like recognizing the difference between I'm eating because I'm hungry and I'm eating because I'm trying to fill an emotional need Mm -hmm. are two totally different feelings. Yeah. And honestly, it goes back to what we said at the beginning with the Mm self-awareness. So it's completely okay to eat in response to emotion. We honestly, we all do it. Like I might be an expert in this field, but I still am going to eat sometimes when I'm stressed or sad or whatever it might be because Food has traditionally been a, you know, social connector. It's been something that connects us to our culture, especially if, you know, our spouse is deployed and our family lives in another state and we feel isolated, like food is a connecting piece. And so we can always eat it, but when we can bring the mindfulness to it, that's when it helps us control the emotional eating versus the emotional eating controlling us. Yeah. And I think that's a really good distinction to make and also just like a very empowering thing to recognize and realize in your own eating and in your own space. Um, So I think this is, I really appreciate you coming on and kind of breaking it down. And again, like giving the exercise of the describe it in five senses when you take that bite, like Mm -hmm. describe the texture to smell everything. So I like to end every interview with the same question, which is if you were to go back in time to the day that you became a spouse What would be a piece of advice that you would give younger you, more naive you? (laughs) (laughs) Am I not naive now? (laughs) Um, So for me, like the biggest piece of advice would be to maintain your own routine Mm -hmm. and be confident in that. And I say that because when I first like came into this, this role as the military spouse, I would just wait on whenever my husband was going to get home or, you know, I would wait to see, hey, when are you going to get off work? Can I say yes to doing this thing? And then I'd end up just being home and isolated and sad. And it was not good for my mental Mm -hmm. health. And then in turn, it wasn't good for my marriage. Yeah. So I would say, you know, if you can put yourself first because hashtag self-care ain't selfish. Like, (laughs) seriously, like it's not like you can't pour from an empty cup. Um, so as long as you take care of yourself first, be okay with saying yes and committing to things regardless of what your mm-hmm. spouse is doing, because that's how you're going to maintain your sanity, but also build your community wherever right. you are. Cause it's important to put yourself out there and get to know people yeah. and do things like Mary Catherine and I met because <laughs> both of us were like, we know nobody, but I get some yeah. coffee. like, sure. And then we exactly. like ended up talking about like, we both worked in labs and did research and like all this yeah. other stuff. And so it's important. I think I said this in a different episode, but you shouldn't feel guilty for having fun and doing things outside of your marriage, outside of your spouse, because you really need to be your own person in order to be the best version of yourself. Like yeah, your person does not come from your spouse. Your person comes from you. Yeah. And I think as military spouses, again, like you said, you put stuff on the back burner because there are, there are priorities and there are things that need to get done. And mm-hmm. you know, you move for your spouse's job and you kind of have to pick up and go a lot of times, or you have to go to events for your spouse or do all these things. Mm-hmm. And it's important though to still keep yourself intact. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's honestly, it's been so good for my marriage because literally I'd be like, oh, I'm inviting my to a girl's night. And my husband would be like, yes, that's awesome. Like I'm so happy. And like, it just, it makes everything better for me. And, you know, I struggled with like depression, anxiety mm-hmm. when I first came into this role. So to be able to focus on yourself and to realize like you are your own person and it's okay to have your own schedule and, you know, commit to things because I think this lifestyle makes it easy to just be like, Oh, well maybe and not, you know, yes or no. 
you know, you don't have to go above and beyond to like overstretch yourself, but be okay committing to things regardless of what your spouse's schedule is. So that way you can both maintain your individual lives and then be stronger together. Definitely. So if people want to find you Mm -hmm. and they want to get to know you and your practice better, where can they find you? Yeah. So my business name is Busy Babes Nutrition. Um, So you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Busy Babes Nutrition. You can also find us online, (laughs) busybabesnutrition.com, nice and easy. Um, And you can reach out to me through any of those methods and I'm happy to chat. That is awesome. So thank you all so much for listening. If Again, if you want to connect with Mary Catherine, it's Busy Babes Nutrition. If you want to reach out to the podcast, if you have questions, I am more than happy to field them over to her. And you can reach us at ask.ctmpodcast.gmail.com. So again, that's ask.ctmpodcast.gmail.com. And I look forward to chatting with all of you again another time. Bye.